You are listening to Healing with Jude podcast, a healing space with tools and inspiration to live your life in a mindful and open way, a place full of joy and happiness where you can be yourself. With your host, Jude, founder of Healing with Jude and Blue Hour Healing Retreats. And welcome to the first episode of second season of Healing with Jude podcast, a healing space where I will share with you tools and inspirations that will help you live your life in a mindful and open way. I've decided to do something completely different from season one. Yes, I will be talking about healing and mindfulness, but through the work of people that inspire the world to be a better place. The guest for this first episode is the great Sean Leonard. If you don't know him, he's a poet, a filmmaker and a musician. His last short movie project is called Silence and has been part of the Torino Film Festival. In 2019, he won the Royal Television Society Award for his visual poem called The Time for Love, which was translated in five languages. His band, Leonard, launched their last single few months ago called Iconoclast. It is all about dark pop music exploring the themes of Sean's poems, love, God, shame, and psychological trial in today's world. Hello, Sean. How are you? Hello. I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. Thank you. I'm really good. Thank you so much to be here with me in Healing with Jude podcast. I am so happy to share this episode with you and more important to share your work and the great things that you are doing to make this world a better place. So I've done a little introduction about yourself, but I would love you to introduce yourself in the way that you want. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, It's exciting to be here. Um, So I guess I always struggle to introduce myself a little bit. Um, (laughs) Probably primarily I would say I'm a poet and that kind of has got me involved in all kinds of things. But um, what keeps me busiest is film making and music making. And yeah, I'm from Glasgow in Scotland and that's where I live. And apart from that, there's not much else to me that's very <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that that's enough. <laughs> so um, I saw your TED talk that you've done in Glasgow, and I've been really touched by your life experience and also of how you manage step by step to grow and share with people this beautiful message of acceptance and hope. How was Sean as a kid? Um, I was very, very shy. Um, I cared a lot about what people thought of me um, to the point where I would, I would kind of not speak quite a lot of the time. I didn't really want to be heard or seen. But then I had a completely contradictory part of me as a child that wanted to piss everyone off and like tried to make people disapprove of me so um and also wanted to be the center of attention so (laughs) yeah it was a strange kind of um, dichotomy of 
of t- children that lived inside this one child. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, it took me a long time to be comfortable with my voice and how I looked. And I guess everyone grows into that to a certain extent. But yeah, um, yeah but this, it, it, I kind of kind of just existed in a fantasy world, to be honest. I um, really, really believed in magic. Like, um, it was very serious, it wasn't a joke. Um, I really thought I could change reality with, with my magic. Um, yeah. I think me. that everyone as a kid had that um, moments where we think we are all magician and we can change the world as we want. It's a sort of fantasy, a mind fantasy. It is, and unfortunately we kind of lose that when we grow up. But um, Yeah, yeah, completely agree. I don't think it has to go. I think it can, I think it should stay if it can, you know. Yeah, definitely. And which people influence uh, you as, as a kid to be the person that you are today? Um... Well, I kind of worshipped my mother, as I think a lot of gay men do. <laughs> um, she kind of was the font of morality to me um, <clears throat> and was very honest with me about everything. Never kept secrets, which maybe was to my detriment at times, but overall, um, I always felt like I was given the truth from my mother, which was yeah. um, very, which affected me quite a lot. Um, aside from that, I mean, J.K. Rowling's obviously a controversial subject these days, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but back before before this crazy period we live in now, where the world's turned upside down, um, I really thought that she had an incredible mind and, and worldview and way of um, understanding morality and values. Um, so it's been quite a difficult, it's been quite difficult to adjust to how she is now, as I think it has been for most yeah. people. But there's one documentary in particular about a year in her life where she wrote the last book, Harry Potter book, that I would just, every time I was, every time my parents drunk, because my parents are alcoholics, and whenever an alcoholic parent drinks, it's kind of very, it's terrifying and it's traumatic. Yeah. But that was always the film that I would watch that would um, give me great comfort. Um, so, yeah, um, I think role models in terms of other artists came once I'd grown up, you know, a bit, yeah. a bit later. Yeah. And um, because of um, how you were as a kid, um, really silent, as you said, um, have you ever been bullied for your attitude towards the society? Um, I mean, there was instances of bullying, yeah, but I think um, I kind of just operated around the fringes of... Yeah. I, didn't really, I didn't really care, to be honest, about... <laughs> That's really good. I kind of just sat in the... I just sat in the stairwell. Everyone sat in the lunch hall and I just sat on the stairs. <laughs> and eventually all the other weirdos that sat on the stairs, we all became friends and I still have my two greatest friends today from from sitting there on the stairs and um, 
Yeah, I think I was much too concerned about... Um, I just wanted to be the best at school, really. I wanted to <laughs> get the most, the top marks. And I kind of also had a bit of a superiority complex, so I kind of just looked down on everyone else. <laughs> um, but no, there, there were instances, you know, where I tried to speak up for um, gay rights. Um, the room would just go silent and everyone would look at me like I'd, I don't know, just brought a grenade out of my bag or something. Um, and I went to a Catholic school as well, so um, it was... As you can imagine, that yeah. extra bit um, icy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, apart from that, I, I just was okay. had quite a, a tough home life, so I, I felt quite toughened by that. You know. Yeah, the situation and all of that. Um, we have one being thing in common that is poetry. And um, let me say that time full of poetry and visual um, was the best thing I ever saw. Uh, because I never connected a poem to a video, to a visual, never passed in my mind. And there's one point in the poem that you say, I'm sorry if I read it wrong, but I, I will try to read it my best, uh, because it seems like to me, like Jesus saved a lot of time when he died for all our crimes, that he wouldn't waste it teaching small minds that love is not sin. And at this point, my heart literally stopped and I became really emotional because I never thought of Jesus in that way. I'm not Catholic, but at the same time, I was like, oh my God, like, yeah, like he's saying something so right. And um, in my personal experience, poetry and writing has been always a healing tool. Do you think that poetry saved you or is healing you nowadays? Well, thank you so much for what you said about the, the poem. I'm really glad that you liked it. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, Franz Kafka said that like a non-writing writer is a monster courting insanity, which always stuck in my head. But I would kind of amend that to say, I, even when I write, I feel like I'm courting insanity. I think that's, um, or I'm controlling it or fending it off when I write, I suppose. Um, and when I don't, I feel like I, I am insane. Like yeah. I, really just I really just slip and every time I've tried to be someone else or tried to be like a uh, I don't know a barista or um, I worked at BBC for a few years as a researcher and whenever whenever life slipped into where writing was not the the central part of it um, it would just take a massive toll on me so yeah I would say I don't really see another option, you know, in life. Yeah. And do that. So, yeah. And this is great because actually poetry saved me and healed me because it was my way to get out from depression and anxiety. So I started to write down. I was like completely free. I was like, oh my God, like, it's so beautiful to put in words your emotions and yeah. don't judge them at all. Just read what you see. And you are a poet, you are a musician, and also a filmmaker. Between all of these three, what do you consider the best way to communicate the emotions? That's a good question. I think about that quite a lot. Um, I don't know if there's necessarily a best way, because they're all incredible mediums. I feel like music is maybe the 
purest form of expression from 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 my for what I want to communicate. Um, I feel like the the least compromise needs to be made in music. Um, screenwriting and filmmaking is a very um, crafty thing, you know. I mean, music yeah. obviously a craft as well, but you have to. There are more rules, I, I think, in film to keep it to keep it engaging. Whereas with music, there's less there's less rules, or it feels like to me there's less um, of having to be forced into a structure. Yeah. So that's what I like about it, the music. And um, I'm so curious because, as I said before to you, I never imagined how a poem could connect to a visual or to a video. How you manage to connect so perfectly some of your poems with a short movie or a visual, because it's not just Time for Love, but also all the other works that you've done, they are so well connected and you can feel like the emotion behind it. Thank you. Um, I think you really, I really have to set out when I first write the poem, I have to, um, I have to consider the film from the beginning, from the offset as soon as I start writing it. So I can't just, you know, write a poem and then translate it into film. That's not really how it works. I think I think it, it begins as a dual process from the moment you put pen to paper, you know. Um, and apart from that intention, um, we sure... I'm not really sure what else fired, <laughs> but I think that's the most important thing that you, it, the film isn't an afterthought, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. It's um, it's connected to the language from the beginning. Yeah. 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 And what is the biggest message you want to give to the world through your works? Mm. Good question. <laughs> not sure there's any. One, yeah, it's quite a hard question. I'm not sure there's any one message because I think every everything that you write explores something else. And if you go into it wanting to say something, you yeah. can um, almost chaining yourself to an idea and restricting the chance to discover something within that writing that work. But I do think that maybe that sense of magic that I felt when I was a child, you know, Patti Smith kind of talks about um, being able to speak to animals when she was young and yeah. able to communicate with animals. And, and she lost that as she grew older and she's just trying to spend her whole life getting back to that sense of complete um, purity and innocence. And I think that's, I would relate to that a lot. And I think um, I do kind of try and imbue things, that, that sense of that childhood, magic and purity that um, I think we can all try to restore, you know. Yes, yeah, completely agree. And do you describe yourself as a social person? Not looking to the lockdown nowadays, but normally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I kind of romanticize introverts and I do have a part of me that is like that, but also, yeah, I, do, I am a bit of a, friends junkie I do <laughs> I do love to I do fall into the trap of just I could spend all of my time with people and I would go insane but yeah I, I, do, I am very social um 
you know, I think that, well, each country we are living the same situation with all this lockdown and no one can understand anything. Here in Italy, we are divided by colors and know that in UK, you are divided by tears. And, um, but do you think that this lockdown is affecting so much the idea of community and self-acceptance? Um, I mean, community, definitely, even though community is such, is massively like an online thing now, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's actually really helped with my self-acceptance um, because I'm social and I, I think I do often use that as an escape um, from things that perhaps I don't want to deal with. Yeah. And being confined, a solitary confinement, I guess, um, obviously still with so many things available, like it's not, it's, we still have a lot of the privileges that we had before, you know, mm-hmm. um, but having that, being in that situation um, helped me form a kind of practice for being on my own, I suppose, and like a foundation that I can come back to so that when I go and socialize in future or have a relationship, I I know that there's something really strong to come back to. I think that's really important because otherwise you just become lost in something else, you know. Um, Community is a strange one because um, I don't really feel like, I don't really, not quite sure of my relationship with community because I don't particularly feel like I fit with the gay community completely because yeah. I don't really like I don't particularly like going to gay clubs. Um, I don't like the music much. <laughs> <laughs> um, community to me is 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 almost like a global thing, like a species thing. Yeah, I think yeah, that's taken a hit for sure. But um, yeah. Yeah. And in fact, a few days ago, I saw your last project that is called Silence. And um, they spot of the Torino Film Festival, but I saw it at the Capri Hollywood Festival. And I found it beautiful how you showed how this situation that we are living, some people are coping in a really good way and some others, they are living in a really bad way. I love the conversations that you have, like the voices behind with friends and phone calls and all of that. Um, What do you think is missing in people today with all the situation that is going on? So what's missing in relation to this situation? Yes, like this situation, but also in general, because, um, well, I, in my point of view, we had all this lockdown, so we had the moment to stop finally, because I think that our li- everyone's life was quite hectic. And, uh, but we thought that was just a short period, but apparently this period is going and going, going and going. So um, if before we were losing the attachment to what we had around, now we have what we have around, but probably we are missing quite a lot in our lives. Mm. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I don't think people are missing anything. I think the biggest problem is that we think we're missing things and we try and seek them out and we destroy ourselves trying to find whatever it is we think we don't have, but actually I think we have everything we need. With the exception, of course, of like 
I mean, I think the only thing that people have missing is is love in the past. You know, like when you're a child and yeah. if you're missing love and attention and care, that's the biggest setback anyone could ever have. I think that's that kind of abuse or lack of love as a child is um, something that you probably be dealing with your whole life but aside from that I don't think and it, it becomes your responsibility I think to then give that to yourself yeah. but um so the only thing I think we're missing is love really yeah. if we're missing anything I think that's all you need yeah um but that sounds quite naive politically I suppose um because we do need the basic human rights that a lot of people aren't kind of afforded politically yeah so we need that as well but that's a form of love to me i suppose as well in in silence you sing your song uh once it passes and the first verse you sang the street would be full again the music good again the gentle will rule again and the lover will be human what do you think in all this situation um we are losing and is actually affecting us so much? Um, I think we're losing what we would consider to be freedom, you know, um, whatever that means to each person. I think that's why we were so slow to to react to COVID, you know, we denied it for so long when we knew it was coming because um, we just didn't want to let go of that sense of freedom, but I think if you accept the situation completely, you, you find that I have a similar amount of freedom. I mean, I really miss traveling. I love kind of traveling. I'd love to go all over the world still, but um, I think as soon as you accept it, you can, you can move ahead. I think the, the Rejecting your reality is, is is the most dangerous thing you can do. Yeah. And it, it keeps you in a standstill and nothing can happen. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what I would say to that question, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure, it makes sense. It makes sense. I miss traveling a lot. I normally always come to Scotland. It's my favorite place oh, on Earth. Oh, yeah. Really? Yes. I was supposed to go to Isle of Skye. Um, oh, nice. this year for my birthday but then all happened I was oh, like okay that's fine and now Brexit <laughs> like okay let's see what is going on what is going to happen um, in time for love um, you talk about the experience in the LGBTQ plus community and how it's hard to cope with the people judgment and um Well, the visual has been part of the project Time for Love, and you won a Royal Television Society Award for that. And what I want to question to you is, as a kid, how did you leave your sexuality? Because um, I know that Glasgow, even if UK is a big country, Glasgow is still quite a bit tough to be a gay person, as, as I was here in Italy, because for me it was really hard at the beginning. But as a kid, how did you live your sexuality? What do you mean by that? Sorry. Like, meaning, um, 
like I do my example with myself. I thought I was the only gay in the world until mm. 18 years old when I finally found that in my uh, town when I was living, there was a gay club. So I didn't know anything. I was like completely, I'm the only one that is gay around the world. And, and then when I realized that I was not the only one, I just went crazy about. So mm -hmm. at 18, I came out to my mom. I was like, hey, mom, I'm gay. And, uh, you know, I come from a Latino family. So my mother literally went crazy about it. So I left home and uh, I started a new life back again and all of that. Fortunate enough that when I came out to my family, they were completely fine with it, which was, which was really lucky. I'm really sorry to hear about your mum. But I think it's the, it's how you imagine that moment to be before it happens, which is, I just, I mean, I thought I could never say it, you know, like I almost myself that I would never tell my parents. Like I, I was almost hoping they would die almost so that I didn't have to tell them. Um, that's like the level of, which is crazy. I mean, it's crazy. Um, level to go into something so <laughs> simple um yeah i think i just distracted myself with other things that is quite a common thing i think to try and gain approval in other ways to compensate so you know i just wanted to be the best at school the smartest um because I, I knew that my parents would respond to that um and i think yeah denied a lot of my sexuality but at the same time like like I said before I think I had that part of me that just knew, that knew other people's problem like I knew that shit kind of thing you know like yeah. and for a long time I, I've I've not talked and what people think um so I think as long as you nurture that side of you which which is very skeptical of society and people's um, approval or judgment or whatever, then you're more likely to succeed. Yeah. And what was the main challenges in becoming an adult? Oh. Well, I don't know if I'm there yet completely. <laughs> but um, I, know, I, know. I think love, really, my relationship, my intimate relationships were very incredibly painful yeah. um, because I think I just I just hated myself really I think that's the only way um, and it's impossible to really have a safe relationship when you have a terrible relationship with yourself yeah um, you, you just you reject love in strange ways and you feel ambivalent one day you love them the next day you trust them and I mean it must have driven my partners crazy but <laughs> it did drove me crazy as well <laughs> yeah I think that those were the hardest lessons love um, but also the greatest lessons because if I hadn't fallen in love and and had to confront those those things that um, were in me then they would have been harder to find um, 
darkness in me would have been harder to find and harder to um, set free, I suppose, if I hadn't had that, that light come in and, um, you know, reveal yeah. issues. Yeah. And what would you say to everyone that is actually suffering about self-acceptance acceptance nowadays? Um, I mean, there's a lot I would want to sit them down and rate <laughs> <laughs> them for hours, but um, I mean, this might sound quite maybe harsh, but I think that there's no alternative to self-acceptance. You can't, you just can't be happy without it. It's like, it's the first step in yeah. securing your, your happiness in life, or at least peace. And I think um, you should put that above anything else, you know? Yeah. Um, and also fear is, um, is not reality. Um, I think the, the the reality you start to build in your head can be completely different from what's actually going to happen. And I would recommend you surround yourself with, with the right people, the right, the right media, because um, your brain, the way you feel about anything is really down to the words that you tell yourself and the images that you So if you, you associate your identity with yeah. Something terrible with hell, with fire, with pain. You're never gonna. Um, well, it's gonna be very difficult for you to want to to accept yourself. But if you associate your identity with completely different things, like um, you know, music, friends, um, comfort, fun, joy, love, then you're much more likely to. Your brain, like scientifically psychologically yeah. your brain is it's going to be much more comfortable with that um Completely. so yeah that's kind of what i would say so last question what will do shown in 2021 what would be all your projects that you have for this year mm. if you can say them yeah well, i can yeah um so the first thing is a short film that i've that's been funded by Screen Scotland and um, the BFI network uh, at the end of this month called Too Rough. Um, so I'm really excited for that. And then I have a kind of poem, uh, another live poem that's been recorded for Queer Theory, which, um, which is an event that takes place usually monthly in Glasgow, but it's, yeah. it's online now. So I'm doing something in the style kind of, a, I don't know if you've seen Fleabag, the live. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the live stage show is, is quite an interesting. So. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. It happened quite a lot last year. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of, that's what's going to get me started, which is nice. Thank you so much. I love chatting with you. Uh, it was, Thank you. It was really good. The streets will be full again. The music 
was the first episode of the second season of Healing with Jude podcast. I really hoped you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Sean is such a great person, is such an inspiring guy. And on the details of the podcast, you will find his website with all the links for his work. And I hope you enjoyed this moment with me. The next episode will be in February. So please go to check and subscribe to my website healingwithjude.com for updates and events. And if you liked what you listened today, please like it, share it and write a review because more you share and more this podcast can arrive all over the world. Thank <laughs> you.